Hello and welcome to the Finance Hours podcast. I'm your host Luke and I'm joined today by my co-host Polina. Hey Luke, what have you got for us today? This week we have seen how the crisis unfolding in Russia is starting to affect multiple European banking systems. This week in particular I wanted to focus on the Italian bank Unicredit as they warned they could face losses of around 7 billion euros in an extreme case scenario whereby their entire Russian business is wiped out. Despite this quite severe loss, Unicredit can still reassure investors that it should be able to fulfil a promised dividend this year. On Wednesday, they mentioned that they had loans of around 7.8 billion euros in its Russian consumer unit and net cross-border exposure to companies of around 4.5 billion euros. So as the West begins issuing sanctions to Russia after their invasion of Ukraine, around 5% of Unicredit's amounts have been hit. But Unicredit's exposure goes much further than that. They also revealed net derivative exposure to Russian banks of around 300 million euros and have said that the maximum potential loss in the event that the ruble tends to zero is around 1 billion euros. Unicredit has one of the largest exposures to Russia amongst its fellow international lenders and was even considering extending their position within Russia with the acquisition of Russian government-owned lender before the invasion of Ukraine. Since this, however, the acquisition plans have been scrapped. So one of the key measurements of a bank's exposure is the common equity tier 1 ratio. And in the extreme case, Unicredit has said that their ratio would fall 2 percentage points around the 13% mark. But with dividend policy being so inflexible, it has recommitted to 1.2 billion euros cash dividend and a 2.6 billion euros dividend share buyback, so long as its CET1 level remained greater than 13%. But management have made it clear that this is an extreme case scenario and it is not their base case and they're taking a prudent, sustainable approach to the distributions and it would be providing quarterly updates on the situation. It was clear that this clarification on their exposure came as a relief to the market as their shares rose 7% after the announcement but remains 29% down this year. It was a short-term improvement for the stock price as the markets begin to fully understand the initial worry of exposure may not be as scary as once thought. Russia has previously been one of Unicredit's most profitable regions, and so it's unlikely for the organisation to close up shop completely. However, direct rivals in Tessa San Paolo have put its operations in Russia under strategic review, and many US and European companies have suspended operations within Russia with the hopes of protecting their reputation. Recently, we've seen many banks disclose their exposure to Russia or have scheduled a statement in the near future to reassure investments with transparency. However, this is a somewhat nervous period for the banking system because we're beginning to see ripple effects stretching across the international landscape once again. COVID-19 may for now be in retreat, but Britain's high streets are still under threat. The pandemic accelerated fundamental shifts in the retail sector that cannot be unwound. The proportion of UK retail sales conducted online rose sevenfold between 2006 and March 2020. As coronavirus took hold and people found themselves beholden to the virtual marketplace, the shift accelerated. Now that the new normal is beginning, even those committed to shopping local may find it hard to stop making use of the newfound conveniences provided by e-commerce. Food traffic on high streets is still down from pre-pandemic levels. 
The government's latest foray is in the form of a consultation paper on a potential online sales tax. The money raised would be used to fund a reduction in business rates, the property-related taxes that fund local services for bricks-and-mortar retailers which tend to pay much higher rates for their high-street property portfolios. While this may seem like a good idea, there are a number of complications. A reduction in business rates is certainly overdue. Temporary COVID-related relief will expire in April 2023 and changes announced so far do not go far enough. Reducing the gap between revaluations of properties from 5 to 3 years should ensure that businesses are taxed on more accurate estimates of commercial rents. However, the legal requirement that each revaluation cannot lose the government any money overall may limit the relief this brings. Creating space for lower retail tax bills is important, but doing so through the online sales tax is not straightforward. If it goes ahead, the tax is likely to be levied on the online sales of goods to consumers. This would necessarily make things tricky for businesses. Identifying when a sale is made online may not always be simple. The dividing line between purchases for business or pleasure will be hard to delineate without retailers scrutinizing the profile of their customers in detail. Even if all of these difficulties can be ironed out, the value of any new tax is likely to be passed on to consumers, making shopping more costly. If the government does proceed, it will be necessary to protect smaller bricks-and-mortar retailers who are attempting to establish an online presence. An allowance which would permit a certain amount of online sales to be made before any tax is levied would do something to help in this respect. According to the Treasury, an online sales tax could send roughly £1 billion a year to brick-and-mortar retailers via reduced rates. You're listening to the Finance House Podcast, and up next, we've got our biggest winners and our biggest losers of the week. The winner of this week is Sweetgreen. Its stock soared 17% on Friday after the salad chain easily surpassed fourth quarter estimates for revenue driven by consumer appetite for greens and healthy eating in a post-pandemic world. Total revenue in the fourth quarter climbed 63% to top $96 million, aided by the same-store sales change of 36% and 35 net new restaurant openings. Higher footfalls at existing outlets and prices hikes contributed to the sales jump, according to the company. The company terminated its loyalty program, a move that boosted margins. At restaurant level, profit margin improved to 13%. Sweetgreen said scheduling of staff is now more efficient and that's helping the margins too, which are partially offset by higher wages in a tight labor market. In the current year, the company expects to open 35 new restaurants on a net basis with revenue coming in at $525 million at the center of its guidance range. Revenue in the year ended December 26th was $340 million. Sweetgreen said it's a long-term focus company and plans on only giving annual guidance. However, as a one-time exception, it issued quarterly guidance too. The revenue in the first quarter is seen at $101 million at the center of its guidance range. On to you now, Luke. Who's the loser this week? 
Our biggest loser this week is Circuit Incorporated, who are listed on the NASDAQ under the tag CRCT, and they are down around 27% today after their quarter four earnings report was released. Circuit Design and Marketing is a creativity platform that is used to turn ideas into professional looking handmade goods in the US, Europe, and internationally. They operate through three segments, connected machines, subscriptions, and accessories and materials. The company provides connected machine design apps and accessories and materials used just to create personalized birthday cards, mugs, t-shirts, and large-scale interior decorations under the Circuit brand. Circuit delivered a full year of revenue of $1.3 billion, which is a 36% growth over 2020. Total users also grew to over 6.4 million, which is up nearly 50% over a quarter of the 2020 figures, and a paid subscription plan over 2 million which is up 56% from the same time last year. Circuit have successfully delivered their fifth consecutive year of profitability with a net income of $140 million, or $211.6 million of EBITDA, to what seems to be a truly remarkable year for the company and earnings hasn't gone well with the market. This is because although earnings were up, they have missed expectations. They reported worse than expected on their top line results, and their net income is actually declining. Fourth quarter revenue increased 5% year on year, the $387.5 million. This came in below the $407.5 billion estimated. Fourth quarter net income was $11.9 million, which is down approximately 81% year over year as connected machine revenues have been the driver of this decline. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next week.